Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. It almost hit me that time. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hey, what's up, everyone? That's Kevin. What's up, yo? I'm very excited. We have a very special guest. It's been a long road of scheduling and then having to postpone on both sides. We have Martin Hubbardy here, co-producer of the Mighty Ducks. Thanks for being here, Martin. Hey, thank you guys. It's great to be here. Now, this is a special episode because Martin is in London. Uh, How did you end up in London, first of all? Well, strangely enough, it was through movies. I I did a lot of movies here and a lot of movies in L.A. with with Jordan. And uh, I ended up moving here for a movie and then have sort of been here for the last 12 years on and off. I still have my house in California, so I, I kind of you know, do the best of both worlds. I spend time here and, and back home. Mm-hmm. What's the weather like in London right now? I want to know today is like the first like nice day that, that we've had. <laughs> I, I say, cause I mean, the winter's winter wherever you go, but, but you know, in England you can have weather and in the summertime when it's like raining and 60 degrees and it's like horizontally. And I say, you know, we have weather for this, uh, that we call, in California and it's called winter. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice to, uh, get back to California today. Today here has been really beautiful though. Everybody's out the minute the sun comes out here, everybody's out with their barbecues. <laughs> nice, nice. And real quick, before we get into it, mighty ducks, are they as huge in uh, London as they are everywhere else <laughs> in the world? You know, the, the thing is when I, I worked with Jordan and uh, Jordan Kerner and John Abbott for years and the two movies that really have sort of transcended time are mighty ducks and fried green tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And when you when people here ask what you know what you've done as far as movies, uh, most people that, that I speak to know of the Mighty Ducks. Nice, awesome. Right. So let's kind of get into the topic at hand. You mentioned fried green tomatoes. I'm assuming that's how you met Jordan Kerner and John Abnett and all that kind of stuff. Just how did you get uh, started just producing movies, and then how do you end up at the Mighty Ducks? So what happened was I started as a PA, as a production assistant, and that was uh, 1987, and it was with a film called Lesson Zero. And Lesson Zero had Robert Downey Jr., uh, Jamie Gertz, and Andrew McCarthy. And it was a book by Brett Easton Ellis, and John and Jordan produced it, and I worked as a PA on that film. And I worked on uh, as a PA for several years until I worked up to be, you know, to helping them produce films. What does a PA do? Pretty much everything they're told to do. <laughs> they're sort of the, the the ground level people that make everything happen. I mean, you, you've heard gopher, you've heard, you know, production assistant, whatever. I mean, they just do whatever it takes to to help get a film made. Okay. So, it can be very important. 
sometimes it can be just as easy as getting somebody a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So we get to the Mighty Ducks. When is your first kind of uh, involvement with the Mighty Ducks? I'm trying to remember. It was 19. I mean, I, it was in the beginning of the 90s. Mm-hmm. It would have been just after Fry Green that we did Mighty Ducks. And I, I went to Minneapolis to start on it. And I'd never been to Minneapolis before. And I couldn't get over how the city was all connected sort of on the second floor. And it looked like a big habit trail. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we, were, we started production there. And, and it, was, it was a really amazing shoot. And it was, I mean, I've never been so cold in my entire life as when we were doing night shoots and we were on, you know, uh, uh, being towed behind a car for filming the, the night car sequences. So did you see the script before or did you just show up to the shooting? Like when did you kind of start? Jordan was always, I mean, you know, the the production company of Adam and Kerner, they, they, you know, were from start, you know, soup to nuts. So Mm -hmm. they developed the project, worked with the studio and the writers and getting the script ready. And then when, you know, and then got production going so that they, you know, hired everybody that went on board to, to work on the film. So I'd known of the film and read about this, you know, read the script long before we actually ended up being in Minneapolis. What was your initial reaction to the script? I loved it. I mean, I thought that it was really uh, amazing. I just, I, I had never really, um, I thought from a production standpoint, it would be really kind of interesting to see how you'd shoot, you know, on the ice and with, all the action sequences and with kids, I thought, wow, this is going to be, it's going to be a job. But um, yeah, I was very excited. I thought the script was great. Um, Steve Brill was amazing. Um, He was around quite a bit, obviously from, from uh, when I say around quite a bit, I mean, normally writers come on board and then they, um, you know, some, some stay on, but he was really sort of part of the whole production and, and making of the film as well, which was great. We uh, spoke with Jordan Kerner um, several months ago. You know, he mentioned he's a very hands-on producer. He, you know, he's there every day. He's very involved with everything. What was your role as co-producer, and was this a role that you normally do? Do you like to be as involved as Jordan, or do you are you doing a lot of things that you know maybe the normal person wouldn't, or the normal everyday person wouldn't, you know, think a, a co-producer would do? I mean, I think, I think uh, look, listen, at the end of the day, uh, uh, co-producers really just there to, to, to help facilitate it, just that you have much more responsibility um, in, in helping move the, the film forward uh, and make sure that everything happens. And, and I always used to equate it with being in a fireman. I mean, you know, you, you, you are constantly uh, solving problems. So, you know, when you show up in the morning, it's not usually high Martin. It's like, Oh, Hey, listen, this, this needs to be fixed right now. Or this is going wrong or this, this has to be done. Or, um, you know, I don't know how to explain it other than, than ultimately it's just facilitating the film moving forward on a daily basis. Do you recall what some of the more frequent problems were with Mighty Ducks or in general that you kind of, or is it always kind of like something different every day, every hour? I don't know that it's, oh, it is problems per se, but, um, you know, it's, it's always a director's vision. It's always the way, um, the, the film comes together and, you know, it just, things happen and, you know, you get to the set that day and something's changed or, you know, uh, you know, what you originally thought could happen actually doesn't physically work. So you've got to rejig it. Um, it, it's just a constant, 
it's constantly problem solving to make to, to get the best you can for the director and, and the producers. How much did you have to deal with the parents of the kids, and what were they like? <laughs> Good question. Um, we dealt a lot with the parents, uh, the mothers. Mostly, were, there were mothers that were there on the set. Um, it was um, it was interesting. I mean, I think that that you know they only wanted the best for their children. We were looking out for their children, and it was it was a, you know it turned out to be an amazing experience all the way around. Um, I think a lot of them had never you know. Uh, been behind the camera before so it was a learning experience for everybody did they have any did you have any parents that like thought their son was the next child star you know it's been such a long time i can't tell you and i wouldn't tell you anyway which (laughs) ones but i mean i I, there was definitely times that that um that um you know how do i want to put this sort of diplomatically um I remember them being uh, there being times when it was a little bit tense because, you know, their child wasn't getting the, the amount of screen time they thought their other child was getting. But I think, listen, at the end of the day, everybody was thrilled with the film and 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 couldn't have been happier with how each of the children were were uh, in it. Mm-hmm. OK, so one of the uh, long running mysteries of this show is finding out what happened to the original Adam Banks. And we've confirmed this through essentially every guest we've had that there was a, a child actor who was going to be playing Adam Banks, and then he was removed from the film. Now, we've heard that his mother was part of the reason. We've also heard it's because he was maybe too rough on the ice, things like that. And so we do know that he was removed, and what? And perhaps we're jogging your memory a little bit. Do you recall anything about that, and are you able to speak about it? You know, quite honestly, I, I, I mean, now that you've said it, I kind of remember, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't... Um... I couldn't comment on it because I just honestly, it's been too long. Um, it kind of resonates. I mean, I remember the the, the parents or the moms, uh, moms, sorry, I've been in England too long. Um, uh, it's sort of in a collective unit. And, and you know, it, the, the amazing thing about making a film is that everybody really comes together. And for the, the amount of time that you're actually doing the, you know, the production and, and you're, you're filming, you really become a tight unit. And it's wonderful because you don't, um, you don't necessarily work with the same people right again. Sometimes you're lucky enough you can, but then you can see people years later. And funny enough, I mean, I was just here in England and, and uh, a friend who worked on Mighty Ducks, Devin Curry, she did all the ADR, which is the, the um, you know, added lines and, and making sure that all the dialogue is correct in the film, um, happened to be coming through London. And I got to see her and it was just like yesterday. And again, it's been over 20 years. Wow. Wow. So you don't remember the original Adam Banks' name or anything like that. That's what we really tried to find. I'm sorry. I couldn't tell you. I, and, I, and I'm sorry if I'm letting you down, but I don't actually remember. That's okay. Everyone's let us down so far. So. <laughs> the original Adam Banks is our white whale. And we're going to find <laughs> yeah. him one day. We want to interview Quite him. Quite cool. I mean, how did you find out that there was a different Adam Banks? I believe, was it? Is it Doherty? No, no. It was our very first guest. Oh, yeah. That's right. He um he played one of the Hawks. He played Larson, and he was supposed to be a lesser character. And then Adam Banks got kicked out. And he got bumped up a level to this Larson character. So that's how we figured it out. And we've been searching for him ever since. Yeah, and so this actor, he's you know out of the acting game, so he was able to spill his guts about it. <laughs> yeah, he just uh, gave us all kinds of leads to to follow and. <laughs> 
everyone is essentially beetle or something, you know, you're trying to find, yeah, I got it. Yeah. And so it's, it's our goal to, to find, you know, this child actor and find out what happened from his own words. Cause we want to get every side of the story. Mm-hmm. Well, funny enough, and not that I'm, I mean, what I could do is actually look through because I still have my Mighty Ducks files back in California, but it would take me going back there and I'll be back there in August. So I'll check back with you guys. Uh, give me something to look through and, and I can I can see if, if the old uh, cast and crew list have a different name on them. Oh, yeah, we will. I'll be in contact in August for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> Special wow. episode. Isn't that really the only thing you guys are like hanging on is who used to or who originally was going to play Adam Banks? <laughs> well, I mean, we want to talk to him and see, like, well, we want to figure out what actually happened because we've heard many stories. And then wow. we want to talk to him and see how his life went when he could have been, you know, in this major movie that's been like alive for more than 20 years now. Yeah, it's just incredible. I actually, I have to tell you guys, it really is kind of shocking because. Life goes by quickly. So, I mean, it seemed like yesterday and looking at the movie today, it was just, it was just as though we, you know, it felt, it felt like I was there yesterday and uh, it's hard to believe that so much time can go by so quickly. Yeah. You, you had mentioned to us um, right before we, uh, we started recording that you did what go and watch the movie this morning when you were watching it, you know, what were some things that came back to you? I actually thought it, it played incredibly well. Um, I, I was kind of surprised that it, do, it didn't seem dated and and that it would speak to a modern audience. I know I was telling you also that my nephews had just watched it um, a couple years ago and they've started playing ice hockey. So I think probably as a result of watching it. <laughs> but um, I, I, I there was a lot more humor in it than I remember. Um, it was I thought I thought it was it just really held together. and was a great movie to watch. I loved watching it again this morning. And I, I know you're a little biased here, but how do you think it holds up to other hockey movies and other, you know, some of the big time sports movies like Hoosiers and things like that? Where where would you kind of rank it? Ooh, um, you know, I think movies speak to, to different people different ways. So, I mean, I think that that is a hard question to answer. But I think that that to the people that I've met that have watched it, um, it, it's funny. My neighbor here in, in, in England is like a, is a Mighty Ducks diehard fan, and she's a 53-year-old woman. I mean, it, it just it's bizarre. And when she found out that I was part of that movie, she was like, no way. And then she, you know, and then she looked at it again. She goes, of course you are. I saw your name. And it, it's, it's funny because I would think if you talk to her, she would say it's on her top, you know, five movies of all time. So, so um, yeah, I just think the movies speak to people differently. And, and I, I, I don't think you can rank them per se uh, against other films well how would you think perhaps um kind of like the you know it's obviously geared toward you know kids and adults some movies today you know people our age might say oh they don't make you know these kids movies like they used to do you think that it you mentioned it still holds up if this were released you know today do you think it'd be it'd be regarded as probably one of the better you know kids sports movies if you will Oh, I would say so, definitely. I mean, I, I would want, I would want, you know, kids to see this film and 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 to take the the lessons that you learn through it. I think it's really valuable. It's a it's a very valuable um, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we might have to talk to your neighbor. She's she's on, <laughs> sounds like our audience, but. Uh, she really is. I mean, I just I I'm kind of blown away by the people that know it. I mean, originally it was it was released as Champions overseas as well. Uh-huh. Um, so some people know it as Champions. Some people know it as Mighty Ducks. But um, 
yeah, it had a huge following, still has a huge following. Was there a reason for the change? Not that I remember. I mean, I think that, that, that not so much today, but in those days, there were different marketing campaigns and people in different countries thought things would, would, um, uh, you know, the, Movies would be renamed, or, or even even some of the storylines would would be altered. I think much more than they are today, or at least in, in I've sort of been out of the film game per se for the last ten years. It's uh, this is kind of going off on a slightly different tangent, but you did release a film about you know ten twelve years ago. I think it's called Deserter. Now, what didn't that have different names in different markets? <laughs> Funny you should say that. Uh, yeah, I hired this guy and gave him his first job named Tom Hardy. Uh, Never heard of him. Gone <laughs> on from strength to strength, and he is—he's just simply the best, and he deserves it. And he's—he's he's just one of these guys that you just put him in front of the camera, and you're just mesmerized. He's—he's he's an amazing individual. Um, the hard part with that film it was that that yes, I got the money to make it. I—it um, happened during 9/11. And there were there were other films. There was a film called Four Feathers at the time, and oh, there's a Bruce Willis movie at the time that, that didn't. I mean, it was just hard to sell war movies, and I couldn't maybe. sell it. So it ended up being uh, that I that I held on to it for a while, and then I released it, and that's when we came up with the title Deserter, and the distributors uh, liked it and wanted to go with it, and then actually. Uh, the reason why I laughed when you said that is because we're re-releasing it now with yet one more title in the in the states, um, and trying to get it still out there. And so, how big of a fan of the Mighty Ducks is Tom Hardy? Do you know, I haven't asked him, but I will. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I'm actually developing a, a movie right now that I want uh, Tom to be in, so I hope to be seeing him shortly here. It's not D four, is it? No, no. <laughs> so you're telling he's not playing an older, you know, gritty Charlie Conway. Uh, no, because no. I think he'd be great. That'd as be that. interesting. But yeah. I yeah. think Josh would probably have to do that. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, just keep it in your back pocket. You know. So, I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned you haven't been involved too much in films over the past I don't know ten years or so, but you had a pretty good run through the the '80s and '90s. Just. Uh, what led you to not producing D2 and D3? Um, actually, it was just because of the other films. Because of, because we were such a small company, I ended up working with John on a couple of movies. Um, and I went and did The the War with Kevin Costner and Elijah Wood. And 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 Jordan then was doing the, the uh, D2 at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you... we did, I think, up close and personal. After that, I did with John when when Jordan was doing uh, D three. Do you feel like you missed out on missing out on D two and D three? Yeah, I mean, it would have been lo- lovely to have been part of you know the whole series. Uh, but having been there for the original, I think I got the best. Mm-hmm. I just, what was your kind of reaction when this movie became as popular as it did? You know, it's um, how do you want to put it? It it's 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 interesting because I remember um, at the beginning, people people when you have a script, always um, you know everybody has an opinion, and so when when you know you hear, oh, I'm working on a movie called The Mighty Ducks. It's funny how people would react to the title The Mighty Ducks, 
um, pretty much the same way the children it did in the movie. I mean, you know, when you first say the ducks are like, what? And, and it was actually very similar with fried green tomatoes. People said, what? Fried green tomatoes? It's like the killer, the attack of the killer tomatoes. But essentially, when you have a really um, uh, great story and it, it talks to people and it's just wonderful to see how the Mighty Ducks has, has sort of gone through the years being so incredibly popular and strong in the title i mean did you have expectations as you were making the movie for how successful it would be no no i didn't i mean i'm sure i i i'm sure that that uh the studio did and i and i'm sure that that jordan i mean obviously everybody wants every film they work on to be incredibly successful but i mean if that were true then every every movie would be a hit have you ever worked on a movie where you're thinking i'm not too sure about this one <laughs> Believe me, on 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 a day like twenty nine or thirty, you're always thinking, uh, "I don't know how this is all going to cut." The- I hope it's going to be good. Okay, so Martin, we do this thing called the Quack Question, where we let fans ask questions and we try to answer them. Uh, so we put out a call this morning for questions for you, and uh, Kevin has the Quack Question for you right now. Okay. All right. This this one comes from uh one of our one of our lead quackalites, uh Joyce, and she's at Joyce Ang sixty one on Twitter. Uh she asks, What are the deleted scenes and will you ever release them? Oh geez, that's listen, that's a question for Jordan and Steve. Um, um let me I actually don't recall there being scenes that didn't make it into the film. Uh, there might have been one or two that got cut, but I think that the that the filming was pretty pretty true to um, to the scripted version. Hmm. Unless you've heard it differently, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe we have. No, there's See, still- in all the movies. I think it actually. I mean, what's so strange about films these days is the way that they're edited, and you know, literally in in when the Mighty Ducks was being edited, you know, you were editing on big. Uh, machines with with actual film instead of computers and um so literally when you ended up on the editing room floor you you literally were just a piece of film on the floor um that doesn't exist today and i mean it's done it's it's technology has just changed the way the whole editing process works but um and it makes it very much easier to 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 actually edit i think um having said that i just don't remember them being any sorry i'm being long-winded here but i don't remember there being any major scenes that were deleted well our quackalites will be very disappointed to hear that <laughs> there were some great outtakes i remember there were great outtakes i don't know if anybody told you but it was very very cold in in minneapolis and then it got very very sort of unseasonably warm so some of the ice rinks became sort of like ponds <laughs> there were a couple scenes where the kids we had to shoot and they were actually just in waterproof boots um, standing in the same positions um, when we were shooting some second unit shots too, because the the ice rink had melted. Uh, quick question along those lines: um, Early on, when the limo drives out onto the ice, how did you guys do that? And surely that wasn't really on a pond that they drove out, did they? Literally, what you know, what everybody said was all you need to do is pour a little bit of water on the ground, and it'll freeze, and you can skate on it. And so, essentially, that was a park, and that was the one that melted. Because there was no, there was no. Um, it literally was just water on a on a on a uh, park sort of um, 
I don't uh, like on a blacktop or something. It was it was lower than a blacktop. It was just like a, a, a I don't it, you know it, when you go to a park in in a city and it, it's sort of a uh, there's a dip in the in the lawn kind of thing and it was it was just one of those types of things that was mm-hmm. filled up with water. How much did the pond or the water, whatever you want to call it, how much did it melting affect you guys? I think it, I mean, it didn't really, we got the major shots. It was when we went back to do the second unit that it was, it was uh, pretty much gone. So everybody was sort of standing in the, in, in waterproof boots and, and running the lines and, and we got the shots in and around it that we needed. Interesting. Interesting. So just, you mentioned going back for second judge, just, I am not involved in the Hollywood game at all. So how, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, uh, how does like shooting and editing and then coming back for more shooting, how does that all work? Hopefully well. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's difficult because you're there shooting and, and, you know, you're running through all your shots, but it's not until you get into the editing room that you realize if you've missed something or something isn't right or, you know, it was it out of focus and you have to reshoot it. Um, so you do end up having to go back and and re-edit or fix a storyline or I mean it's it's quite quite common to do pickup shots and so that would come you know as a list of, of requests from the the editors and the director to say hey can we pick up this shot can we do this shot and and a lot of times when you're doing pickups because you've only got a set budget and schedule the um, you know the first unit has to keep going it's like a big engine you've got to keep it going and and getting the rest of the movie filmed and then you sort of send, send out satellite uh, groups of people to pick up the, the additional shots. So you kind of mentioned that, you know, it was, it was shot pretty much uh, pretty well, I guess, like without many deleted scenes or anything like that. Just how, uh, how common was the shooting compared to other movies you've done? Well, I mean, I think that that honestly, the first thing that stuck in my head when Mike first contacted me and, and said that he, he wanted to ask questions is I remember thinking, you know, uh, watching Steve Herrick on the on the ice rink with, you know, a bunch of kids on ice skates and you're trying to get the shot lined up. And, you know, it, it's it's difficult enough in, in, in the best of situations. But when you have a bunch of kids on ice skates, that can't stay in the same place more than two seconds. Uh, <laughs> That was probably the biggest thing. I mean, it was it was it was difficult to say the least. And and, you know, I really applaud. Uh, I learned a lot on on and how he constructed that and how he got it all. And the action sequences and what have you were were all really um, well crafted and not easy to achieve because, you know, it's the, the thing about the film more than anything is it was just freezing cold the entire time. Um, I, we, we joked about this a little bit earlier, but on a scale of one to 10, how interested would you be in being involved in D4 if it were to happen? Oh, I'd love to. Are you kidding? Oh, fantastic. So is that a commitment from you right now to go ahead? (laughs) Yeah, please. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I would love to do it. I, um, I'm working on developing a couple of movies here now, finally getting back sort of into the game. I, I took some time away from the film business. It's, it's difficult because when you, when you work on film, they're, you know, they're huge passion projects and, and you devote your entire life to doing it. So, um, you know, there, there came a point when I just thought that there, was other, there were other things that I wanted to explore, but there isn't anything as fulfilling that I've found as, as actually being on a film set and, and being with a bunch of people making a movie. Now, let's say in a, you know, perfect world, unlimited budget, you know, unlimited rights, whatever. 
they say we want to make a D four and let's just hear your quick, you know, bar pitch. Let's hear the pitch for what do you think D four should be about? You know, what- I think the Mighty Ducks go to Hawaii. Um, it would probably be perfect because uh, you want to film some place where it's actually <laughs> night rain can be anywhere in the script and uh, or night snowing or uh, yeah no definitely make it make it uh, uh, no I'm kidding um, is that why they did bad news bears go to Japan so they can go to Japan <laughs> you want to go to places that are kind of like warm fun and uh, yeah. Uh, I think it'd be really interesting to see where everybody is now. I mean, it's funny because we were talking about Tom Hardy earlier and it's just, um, you know, the John and Jordan um, found Joshua. They, you know, uh, they also found Chris O'Donnell for um, a film called men don't leave and then fry green tomatoes. And, you know, you, 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 you find these people that have really gone on and been hugely successful in the, in the um, entertainment industry and, and to see where they are today, I think, is really, really interesting. And to see their craft and to see where they, how they've developed. I think it'd be amazing to get the, the, the whole troop together again. And we've kind of talked to some other people about how, uh, you know, Disney doesn't really make these kind of movies anymore. They try to go for the sort of Grand Slam every time. Do you think it, it, is, it would be possible for a D4 to happen? Like, or would it is just the kind of landscape different? You know, I think the landscape and film altogether is different, but I would hope beyond hope. I mean, the, at the end of the day, uh, it's a good story. And, and uh, yeah, I think that there's every chance that it could actually happen. I mean, it's just, it's just, um, I think it's just a matter of time and, and, and honestly, the right people coming together to make it happen. I think if we get you and Tom Hardy on board and, you know, <laughs> really to, you know, put the bug in people's ears, I think it'll happen. <laughs> I'd like to see Tom on ice skates now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Martin. This has been very enlightening. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's been really a joy and uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I, I, I have to say, watching the film again today, I just, it's been a spectacular day. And it was just, um, it's just kind of one of those um, uh, life experiences that I'll remember because it's, it's, um, I wouldn't have done it without you guys. And I really appreciate it and wanted to thank you. Oh, no problem. No problem. We just are sitting here in my apartment talking about the Mighty Ducks. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun for us as well. When he says apartment, he means luxurious studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, for us, thequacktech.com. Contact us at quacktechpod on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash/quacktechpod. Go to iTunes, give us five stars. Oh, also t-shirts, thequacktech.threadless.com. You can also go to our site, and uh, there's a link there. Uh, I think I've gotten all the plugs out of the way. Go to iTunes and give us five stars. Tell us your favorite part about Martin's interview, I guess. I don't know. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. Quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs>